Welcome to the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast. I'm Ashlyn Dave, your host. We've got a great show lined up, so let's get started. And this is Ashlyn Dave, and this is the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast, episode 291. It's the week of July 31st, 2022. Thanks for coming along. Appreciate you downloading the show. If you're a returning listener, I'm very appreciative of that. And I just wanted to mention at the onset, and I'll mention this again at the end, as I approach episode 300, I'll be doing the same. Uh, I think I did it for episode 100. I know I did it for 200. Uh, Stand Up and Be Counted campaign. Uh, That is the listener roll call where um, I ask those that listen to the podcast to send me an email at ashlanddave at gmail.com. That's A-S-H-L-A-N-D-D-A-V-E at gmail.com. And let me know where you hail from, what kind of running you do. And uh, in episode 300, I will do the uh, listener roll call. Well, I will uh, list out those that uh, send in an email to stand up and be counted. And uh, we'll list out uh, where folks are from. And I've, I've always found it interesting uh, where people are from and uh, such a, ver- a variety of uh, places around the country where people listen to the show. I think back at episode 200, I, back when I had the podcast had about got about 600 downloads per show. Um, I had quite a few people write in. Uh, listenership has uh, declined over the years, some as uh, the shows have gotten farther and farther. Uh, hopefully this is as far as they'll get uh, every other week, every three weeks, getting a show out. It's just hard to put out a show um, uh, when there's no financial <laughs> when there's no financial uh, gain to be had. Um, it's hard to uh, sometimes uh, get something out on a regular basis when it's a hobby. Um, but I do appreciate everybody listening and coming back. And please, uh, like I said, I'll mention it at the end, but the email is ashlandave at gmail.com. And send in your name and where you hail from. And um, we'll get you on the uh, listener roll call coming up in uh, just a couple episodes from now uh, at episode 300. Um, so uh, for this show, I'm uh, going to call this uh, juror number 18. And I'll get to that uh, in my whole stack of stuff here. i got just a whole stack of... Um, of stuff to go over in the show. Uh, but the first thing I want to mention, uh, since it is a running podcast, is uh, I am officially on the committee to uh, develop a new railroad run uh, 10K course. And also on the committee are Ashlyn Tom and Ashlyn Brad, who was a part of the Wolfpack running group that we have on Saturday mornings. And what we do, what we're going to be doing is... Um, also on the on the committee are the two co-race directors, uh, my wife, Monica, and then a lady named Brenda, who's also on the board of the Hanover Arts and Activity Center. And due to uh, Ashlyn adding a bunch of trails, uh, kind of a little bit of a trail network uh, in a part of the town, uh, that has opened up some uh, some ideas and gotten some creative thinking going along where we can maybe uh, get rid of the second loop of the railroad run that kind of goes through the uh, one section of town and eliminate a lot of the issues that have uh, come up over the years, which has only been maybe one person per race. It, it's not even, uh, I've talked about this before, it's not even a really a big thing. Uh, but if you have trails, then we can kind of change the, the nature of, of, the, uh, of the race and call it the Ashland uh, Rails and Trails or come up with some kind of gimmick and uh, just kind of... Um, 
uh, I hate to use the word reimagine because uh, it's kind of been overused here in society lately, but we can kind of um, uh, just redo the course. We'll just call it that, a redo. And I'm excited to be a part of that. So I appreciate uh, the race directors um, uh, choosing me to do to be part of that uh, since I did develop the course way back, I guess, 10, 10 years ago or so. Um, and it's neat. We had one meeting already. And what we're good, what our uh, I'm tasked to do with uh, Brad and Tom is to get some of these routes down where um, we know what what the distance of some sections are. It's hard to do it on a map because some of these trails are not on the uh, GIS map that the town has. Uh, so we're working on it. Uh, one of the biggest things is we have to figure out who owns some of the property that some of these trails are on. And the, the situation is this, where uh, there's a creek called Stony Run, and that is the line between the town of Ashland and then Hanover County. So you have two different jurisdictions there. The town of Ashland owns Stony Run Trail, which is part of um, uh, the trail that we want to use. And then that hooks up with a park card to John Dett Park that has some trails in it. That's all in the town of Ashland. And then on the other side of Stony Run, there's this really long wooden bridge that links into some trails that are technically in the county, but part of this new uh, kind of subdivision that was built right uh, that borders Stony Run. And uh, so someone maintains those. Uh, we're trying to figure out now who actually owns that property. I've, uh, we were up at the uh, local watering hole a week or so ago, and I saw the town manager, Josh Fair, and I asked him, and uh, actually what I need to do is I'm glad I'm, I mentioned that. I need to make a note to revisit those emails and see who I need to contact um, town trails. So uh, so we got to figure out who owns and maintains those trails and get permission to uh, have our um, our event on it. The trails are, are kind of they're wide, maybe three, four feet wide with uh, packed down gravel, uh, a little bit scenic through the woods and around a pond with um, benches and this long wooden bridge that was built over the creek. Uh, well, the creek's not really that wide, but the, the low-lying area is, so the, the bridge is built over that. And it's really a cool area, so we would like to take advantage of that. Uh, if not for next year's run, definitely the one after. And uh, But the goal is to change it for the run, the run coming up in April of 2023. And uh, we are not going to be seeking to certify uh, the 10K course because, frankly, we just never really saw any benefit uh, from that. Um the race does not; it doesn't have any kind of uh, financial prize, so there, it doesn't attract, uh, you know, a whole bunch of elite runners. There are a few people that show up that uh, smoke it really fast, and they're clearly, uh, you know, they can compete at a higher level. Um, but it's, it's just not that kind of event. I we, we, back when I was the race director, we kind of had some, kind of had a little bit of a vision to uh, somehow have some kind of uh, monetary prize attract some of the top talent around the area. Uh, we had the case, the course certified. Um, and then it rotated off the board, and uh, we just never really got to that. We, we had a vision to do that, but we just never really quite got to it. And, uh, you know, when the race, it was, back then it was around a 500 participant uh, event for our uh, registered runners for, for the events that we did. And it was uh, kind of a, you kind of got burned out uh, when the race part was over. It was just kind of that point where you got, uh, 
he just needed to move on and not think about it for a while. Because uh, anyway, it was a whole lot of fun. I had a, a lot of reward doing doing it. I'm honored to be on the uh, the committee where we get to uh, redo the course. Uh, so last night I went out with a group of my uh, buddies here from Ashland, and we did something that um, I had never done before. We went axe throwing. Uh, it's kind of a trendy thing now, at least around, uh, you kind of hear about it. They've got these places that have opened up. There's a uh, World Axe Throwing League, which I was just flipping channels on ESPN at halftime of the European uh, Women's Soccer Championship, and I saw that there was a TV show on called World Axe Throwing Championships. Of course, I had to watch that. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. It was uh, you can We had a two-hour block because we had a group of five people, uh, and that was just about right. Uh, we got some food there and some beer. And it takes a little bit to get a hang of how to get that axe, uh, how to get it tossed and rotated to where it'll hit the target with the blade and stick. And then, of course, being accurate is a, is a completely different thing. Had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, however, since most of your throws when you're a beginner are going to hit the target somewhere and then, and then fall off because the blade is, is not rotated properly to, to grip or to get stuck in the wood, you got to walk up there and then bend over and pick it up. And... Um, so as a result, I'm sore today from from doing that, you know, probably 100 times or more. Uh, that's one of the reasons I don't play cornhole because I don't uh, – and I don't really play horseshoes that much anymore is because I don't like the uh, constant uh, bending down. <laughs> it's kind of like stacking wood. Whenever I stack wood, I'm always sore the next day because of the, the muscles that, you, that are being used aren't really uh, used that often. Uh, but I had a whole lot of fun doing it. And uh, after I got the hang of it, I um, hit several bullseyes and, and had a whole lot of fun. And uh, we had one guy in our group who uh, was working on just busting out the, the middle of the target. And it does get wore out after a while because um, if, when it's not the blade hitting it every time, when it's other parts of the axe, it starts to damage the wood. And then you, you kind of start losing your uh, the target area or at least the paint on it. Uh, but we really had a whole lot of fun. And I would uh, I think it was... For two hours, it was $40. For one hour, I think it's $20 per, per uh, participant. And um, I, you know, I thought it was, it was, we probably could have just done it for an hour, frankly. Um, but we had two hours because we just weren't really sure. And I guess that's the person who organized it. I think that's what they had recommended. But everybody was really nice. Uh, it was a very patriotic-themed place. I think it was uh, veteran-owned. And it was really neat just to see all the different uh, flags and um just a lot of patriotic looking stuff in the place. And plus the beers were pretty good too. All right. So let me get down to my list of stuff here. I got a good story. And now uh, that leads me into becoming juror number 18. On Friday, July 15th, we took a very early flight from uh, Richmond, Virginia to Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, we were going to a family reunion uh, and then, routed through Atlanta, so Richmond to, Richmond to Atlanta, Atlanta to Jackson. The flight was 5.45 a.m., so we got up, I think, at 3 a.m. When I say we, I'm talking about my, my daughter, my wife, and I. Get down to Richmond Airport. It's about a 40-minute, I don't know, 30 to 40-minute drive from where I live. We get in there, and uh, what I do is I uh, I cut my phone off before I go through security. That way I don't I don't forget to cut it off. But when I when the, going on the plane, I usually just carry a book. So I remember cutting my phone off. I put everything in the security tray, and I went through there. And I remember dumping all that out. There was you know I didn't do anything there. Um, when we got inside there, we met up with my cousin who was uh, also lives in the Richmond area, and we were taking the same flights. 
and we sat down, got to talking. I think my phone was in my pocket at that point in time. Uh, my wife had the boarding passes on her phone, so they called us up. We boarded, got on the plane, and about and it's just a little bit over an hour flight. And about a half hour into the flight, I was looking for my cell phone. I didn't feel it in my pocket. It wasn't on the floor of the plane. It wasn't in the little uh, chair, the seat thing in front of me. And um, I I didn't know where it was. I think I left it back at, in Richmond. And uh, so, of course, I was kind of uh, not freaking out, but I could at that point couldn't really relax. I didn't know where it was. I was trying to think of all the pictures on it that I might have lost, all the contacts. I uh, just had no... You know, just the feeling of not knowing where your cell phone is, it kind of has a whole lot of your information on there, uh, was a little disheartening. Uh, so when we landed, uh, the flight attendant said, oh, well, you know, we looked for it. Well, I, I waited till everybody got off and I looked around again. And um, she said, oh, just go up to the uh, Southwest uh, customer service desk there and they will call back to Richmond. Uh, this is when we're in Atlanta. They will call back to the Richmond Southwest desk and see if it's if anybody had turned it in or knew about it right there, because we were sitting right next to the, the desk area. And so I go up there, and the Southwest person says, no, they can't or wouldn't do that. They said I had to make a claim on southwest.com. And uh, so, you know, my wife went on there and, and made the claim, and then they said that it would be a response would be provided within 30 days. And I'm thinking, man, I'll have a new phone in a few days if I don't know where my phone is. So I was kind of a little ticked off about that situation, um, we got on our flight from Atlanta to Jackson, got down to Jackson. Okay. And, um, you know, met up with family and, then and, and started doing some of the Friday evening activities for the family reunion. And a little about nine o'clock, we got a text from our next door neighbor, whose name is Drew. Before I get to that, um, when, once we landed, my wife, Monica, was able to somehow look on her phone and determine that my phone had been backed up at 12.06 a.m. So I felt much better knowing that. Uh, I didn't have the phone on. I knew it was had been turned off, so we didn't even do the, I don't even think we did the find my, uh, not find my phone, the, um, we have a, we're all on Life 360 for each other, at least until my daughter's old enough we're she pays for her own phone and service. She can take herself off of that. So we kind of know where each other are. I don't even think we looked at that to, to find out where it was. Uh, but about 9 o'clock that night, we got a text from our neighbor who he had texted Monica and had said, I think David's phone has been found at the Richmond airport because, and he gave us a number of the person that had contacted him. We also got contacted from by another friend named Bill uh, who had thought, that it was a hoax when he had gotten contacted by the Richmond airport police. So what happened was apparently somebody found my phone, turned it into the police who turned it on and somehow were able to see, because I'd gotten a text from Drew or somehow able to figure out what his number was. Uh, I've gotten a text from my friend Bill as well. And somehow they were able to figure out his number. I mean, I had the, the phone would have been locked. He had, would have had to log into it. Uh, so I was given a number to call. I called that number. I talked with a police dispatcher, and she said, yeah, we got your phone right here. And I was like, that is unbelievable. I was very relieved, very, very pleased. And um, I said, hey, we're flying in late Sunday night. 
And I'll, uh, can I pick it up then? You know, when we drop off, uh, when we fly in and she's the dispatcher's name was Crystal. She's very nice. She said, yeah, we'll have it sitting right here. And she told me where to go once I got to the airport. And so I was terribly, you know, very relieved. Um, however, what had happened is that in between that time, uh, we had already ordered a new phone and you had to certify cause I need, I need to have a, um, a, a cell phone to communicate with my family and this and that. And I, um, and then we have uh, insurance on the phones because uh, we've had some other issues here and there. So it, it makes sense for us to to have pay for this little policy where we don't have to, you only have to pay like $189 to get your phone replaced instead of whatever the cost is for a new iPhone, which is probably way too much. And I had to certify that it was stolen or lost uh, because then it was going to be inactivated. So the new one could be activated. And, so we had certified that, and so the concern was when I now that I had a phone being shipped to the house, and then I had my old phone was found by the police. The question is: is has the old one been deactivated to where it's useless, and I have to go through activating the new one, and which I don't want now because don't need it because if the old one has been recovered, so um, that was going to be the mystery. So I went I went through the weekend without a cell phone, which was. Uh, pretty damn liberating to be honest with you. I didn't have to worry about taking pictures. I didn't have to worry about calling or uh, getting any, I uh, didn't have to worry about looking at my phone or anything. And I uh, highly recommend that to anyone who uh, needs to have a liberating feeling for a weekend is uh, just kind of maybe lose your phone or, or don't take it with you. And, uh, but just as long as you're around with other people that have a phone, then you can always say, Hey, will you look this up for me? Or can you call this number or whatever? And uh, it was pretty relaxing to, uh, to know that, um, I didn't have to, you know, I wasn't carrying around a phone and having to check it or be in contact with other people. It was just nice to not have that for a few days. So come Sunday afternoon, uh, it was a great weekend seeing family down in uh, Jackson. We were at uh, Roosevelt State Park is where the events were. We had a, had rented a, one of the lodges, meet, big big meeting room there where we had access. Um, access to an outdoor area where we were able to, to grill out and cook some stuff on a grill, uh, drank a bunch of beer and, uh, met two members of the family to, um, one is a little, uh, one's a baby. And then the others, uh, I think a two year old. I can't remember. It was just a good time. We'd take pictures and all that. And so Sunday we had to turn the rental in the Jackson airport by 5 PM. So we were kind of sitting around just talking and visiting with folks and about, I think it was about 2.30, got an email. My cousin showed me an email she got from Southwest where our 7 p.m. flight or 7.35 flight or whatever it was had already been uh, delayed. And so that meant we were going to miss our connecting flight in Atlanta. So the flight from Jackson to Atlanta was being delayed, and we are going to miss the flight from Atlanta to Richmond. Uh, so we got on. Uh, I didn't have my phone, so my wife got on her phone and was – trying to find, you know, figure out what to do. Could we get some later flights? And nothing was, uh, there was nothing available from Atlanta to Richmond. Um, and that's a regular back and forth. Uh, I think flights go out of Richmond to Atlanta just about every, every morning. Uh, and, you know, we needed to get that rental car back in. And anyway, make a long story short, or, may, or maybe to make it longer, uh, started sensing that we were probably going to be stuck in Jackson or Atlanta pretty much all day the next day. And I needed to be at work on Monday 
that would have been the 18th. The 15th was a Friday. 16th, yeah, the 18th of July. Uh, you know, we we had planned to fly in late Sunday night. I was going to work remote uh, on that Monday. However, now it was starting to look like we weren't going to be back. And I didn't have any way to contact my boss or anything because I didn't have my phone. Uh, I would have... I would have been able to figure out a way to get his, probably his email, maybe not his phone number, but, and I wanted to get back. Um, so once we started sensing that the flights weren't going to happen, um, I started getting the idea, you know what, we will be home by six or six thirty in the morning. If we start driving right about now. And I was telling my wife, Monica, I said, look, we're getting to a point where, we, we need to make a decision if we're going to wait this out or if we're going to get on the road. Now, my cousin, uh, she, she, well, we, this was the decision we had to make for our family because she was traveling. We were going we were going to be giving her a ride back to the airport, and her husband was going to be picking her up late Sunday night. But all that was uh, – so she had to figure out a different um, – she had a place to stay. She had her – her cabin at that park was, she had it for another night, whereas we had already checked out of our hotel. We were staying in a hotel over in Jackson about, I don't know, it was about a half hour away, I think. And so we called Hertz, who we got the rental car from, it was a Nissan Pathfinder, we extended that. And by 3.30, we had we were leaving Jackson, and it was like running an ultra marathon. Now, I can't say it was like running a 100-miler because I've never finished a 100-miler, but I've finished plenty of 50 milers and although this took longer than that, and I've, I don't think I've ever run a 50 miler through the night. I've done hundred K through the night. Um, but we went through Birmingham. We didn't go up, uh, through Chattanooga, Tennessee, because I did not want to t- drive on 81 with trucks in the middle of the night. Cause there's a lot of truckers on interstate 81. And also I didn't want to come into the Richmond area on the West side because we needed to go to the airport to drop off the rental and pick up my my lost phone. So I wanted to come up more from the south. And it only added, I think, about 15 to 20 minutes. Um, at least that's what the route thing said on the, the map. So we go through Birmingham, Atlanta, Charlotte. Uh, I've driven back and forth to Charlotte so many times over the years. I know that's an easy five-hour drive. And once we got to Charlotte, I knew we were going to make it. And we pulled into the Richmond Airport about 6.15 a.m., and I did all the drive, and it's it was 914 miles is what the distance says between Jackson, Mississippi, and Richmond, Virginia. And, yeah, I did the whole thing, if you can believe that. I, I'm still sitting here trying to process that, but it was like, it was like I was in ultra mode. It's like, man, I got to get us home. I got to finish this. And what I did is I uh, got my phone. I cut it on. It was all back to normal. Nothing it had not been deactivated. We got our, our regular car from the parking deck. Got home and uh, I got on my computer and I worked about eleven fifteen, and then I uh, I just took a nap till like twelve fifteen, uh, twelve to twelve fifteen. Just I fell asleep in my chair, and then once I woke up, I was good to go till about four thirty. Worked and then um, by uh, I think six o'clock six thirty that evening, I was up in bed and and uh, kind of slept most of the most of the night and, and went into the office Tuesday. Uh, but it was a lot of fun and. Uh, Kind of looking back, it's kind of hard to believe we did it, um, but that Pathfinder was very comfortable. And so that kind of leads me into uh, becoming juror number 18. And uh, so let me explain how that happened. So on the 15th, 
Uh, that was supposed to be the first day I was supposed to call to find out about jury service for the following week. I'm on. I got called for jury service for uh, from July 15th through I think it's August 19th is is the term. And some of y'all know that I'm a retired law enforcement officer, and so you're thinking, well, how am I how am I not exempt? Well, it just so happens that the uh, Virginia Code, uh, which is Section 8.01-341, which I looked up, so that's why I know what the code section is. Uh, it says, yeah, it, it says who are exempt from jury service. Number seven. Oh, all right. With stuff in the uh, pressure cooker must be done. Maybe I better go check on that since it's not stopping. Oh, it did stop. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, my uh, podcast studio is right here on my kitchen counter, so uh, any kitchen noises are going to usually be in the show. So number seven is listed. Uh, well, first of all, it says the president, vice president, governor, lieutenant governor, members of both houses of Congress, blah, 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 blah. Down to number seven, it says sheriffs, deputy sheriffs, state police, and police in counties, cities, and towns. Well, I am not a deputy sheriff anymore. Um, I'm retired, and so when I got the summons... I uh, did some further uh, checking, and on the the Hanover Circuit Court website, it actually says retired uh, police are not exempt. So here I was. I got summoned, and I'm thinking, well, nobody's going to want me on their jury. So I was supposed to call on the 15th to find out for the following week. Well, after losing the cell phone, you're supposed to call the Friday before the week of the service, which you're summoned for, I think, four to five weeks of service, and so you might not go every time you're supposed to call after 4 30 to find out when you're supposed to appear the following week well i forgot to call on the 15th completely because uh, i lost my phone we were traveling we got up so early i just completely forgot to call and did not even remember to do that i think until monday afternoon um on the 18th after i'd been up all night so I called, and my jury, my jury group number was had not been summoned for that week. So I called the the following Friday, which was the twenty second, and I did get summoned. I had to go in on the nineteenth, and um, not the nineteenth. I'm sorry, the twenty uh, seventh. But the problem with that was is that I had this big presentation I was doing at work for forty some people. Uh, half of those people were going to be virtual, but there was going to be a lot of people in the uh, the meeting room. And, uh, you know, you can't get out of it. Um, I, I wrote in to request an excusal. Uh, didn't do that in time. Apparently, you're supposed to do that at the beginning when you get your summons. I misunderstood it. Anyway, make a long story short, I, was, I got somebody to cover for me, which they weren't too happy about. And then, um, so I go into the courthouse and we get there at 9. You know, they don't get started till like 9.05. Then you start watching this video that they say is 15 minutes long, telling you about how important jury service is and blah, 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 which I understand. I really do. Um, and I'm thinking, man, at this point in time, I am not going to be at the presentation, and I just got to just hope it all goes okay. And then the judge comes in with a deputy about 10 minutes into that uh, video and uh, tells everybody to ignore the video and then says they just came up with a uh, resolution in the case. And so we were all being excused. And so that didn't bother me at all. Cause I was able to get down to the, to downtown Richmond and, and actually do the presentation by 11 o'clock is when that was happening. Um, but it, it made me wonder, um, you know, why, why have everybody come in or I don't understand why they come to these agreements right at the last minute. And, but you have all these people in there and, 
you know, I didn't get jaded by it, but what if you have some cynical citizens who don't want to be there in the first place? And well, I didn't really want to be there, but I knew I had to be there. I knew the importance of it. I've had jury trials over the course course of my police career, and you, you need to have the people in there. Um, but I, I can see how some people left feeling kind of jaded, like, you know, this is how it works. They just, you know, playing with people and and whatnot. But one thing that the, the judge, his name is Overton Harris, one thing that he said uh, when he expressed appreciation for everybody to come in, he said it is unusual for everybody to be called in and then to be cut loose like that. He said, but there are some jurisdictions in this, the Commonwealth of Virginia where they can't even get enough people to show up uh, to see the jury. And so they have issues that have come up with that. So he appreciated everybody coming in. Anyway, you know, in response to the summons, Hanover is a pretty good county. He was mentioning some other places of the state. More, I think he was kind of referencing some counties in southwest Virginia that aren't as highly populated. Um, but people just don't, they don't come in and um, or don't answer the summons. When you get the summons, you're supposed to call the number and say that you received it. I guess people get it or they don't call the number. Eventually, you know, the, the sheriff's going to come out and post a summons on your door or, or look for you uh, to get that summons to you. They don't just go on to the next person. They, you do have to answer the summons. It's part of being a citizen. Um, but when I got there on that, that Wednesday, the 27th, I was assigned juror number 18 and I had to hang a 18 around my neck with this little lanyard. And I was thinking, man, this is serious now. So that's where the uh, juror number 18 thing comes in. So I called in last Friday. I'm here this Sunday afternoon. I'm recording the show. And I called in Friday, and I'm not needed for this week. And uh, then I'll call the, the next Friday and the Friday after that, and I think that might be it. And hopefully, I'm hoping I don't have to go in, but if I do, I do. And I'm pretty sure that once the attorneys start the voir dire, uh, defense attorneys, if they find out that, you know, retired law enforcement, probably you're not going to want you on the jury. Plus, you know, what if I'm sitting in there and I, and I personally know the detective on the case or um, – you know, I don't know. I, I would think that you would wouldn't want somebody who who uh, knows that. I don't know, or maybe even know the defendant. I don't know. I mean, it's possible somebody could be on trial that I've arrested before or investigated in my career, and they just you know got arrested again for something, and which happens all the time. And they probably wouldn't want me on that jury either. But you still have to you still have to appear, and and I did my civ civic duty. Um, so I'll move on from that. That's, uh, I guess that wasn't really that exciting. Um, the other day I got contacted by an old friend of mine who, uh, asked me if I wanted to be on his podcast and he, his name's Rob and he does a podcast with a guy named Paul and their podcast is called stories from the center of the universe. It's at, uh, scotupodcast.com. That's S C O T U podcast.com. I'll have that link in the show notes also. Let me make a note of that. And what that podcast is, is um, it, it's not all sports oriented, but part of it is. Now, uh, the guy, Paul Gilman, who kind of leads the podcast, he does interviews with folks who uh, have gone through Randolph-Macon College, uh, played sports, and then maybe gone on to do other stuff. And also he's interviewed people who grew up here in Ashland who have had different experiences or, or people who are notable here. And um, one of the best interviews I heard was a friend of mine uh, whose name is Ross Luck. And he was interviewed with his father, Jack Luck. 
uh, and they uh, run a Chev- local Chevrolet dealership that uh, used to be a livery stable back before cars. So it's it's they're notable in, in Ashland. Well, I got called and uh, invited to do uh, being uh, to produce one of the shows in coming up this fall, and so um, I guess I'm. I guess I'm notable now in Ashland, uh, center of the universe. I have have this podcast. I've, you know, retired law enforcement officer. It's a small town, so uh, even though I work for the county, um, you know, we know a lot of people around here, and so that will be coming up this fall. Um, I will link to that in, in in the show when it comes up. And for anybody who wants to know more about me on the personal side, um, the, the really the non-running. Um, I guess that will be a, a window of opportunity to uh, learn more about me. So uh, be, lo- be looking for that. That's called Stories from the Center of the Universe. I guess it's available wherever you get your podcasts, uh, but it does have a website, and that's uh, scotupodcast.com, Stories from the Center of the Universe. Uh, i got to talk about Sandy and Eric. Uh, Sandy's a regular listener to the show, and she's uh, she races almost weekly. Uh, she is on her second uh, run through 50 states marathons. Um, on July 7th, they came through Ashland and we, uh, had, uh, received them at our house. And then we walked up and had something to eat at, or had some beers at the origin and then, uh, had some food at, uh, uh, the caboose. And they've been here before, uh, some years ago. Uh, and they got to meet our daughter this time, which was really nice. And, uh, we talked about her so much, um, and they finally got to meet her now that they know she's real. But it's really nice to have them through here. So Sandy and Eric, I really appreciate. It was really nice to visit with y'all. And um, uh, they were, for those of y'all that don't know, they were uh, spending some time in Virginia uh, looking for a place to possibly retire for uh, for good. Right now they live in Michigan, and they're uh, thinking about coming a little bit south. And they looked at some places in Virginia, which was really cool. And so we actually got to see them twice in two months. Um, and this time we were able to uh, have them come over to the house and visit some. So it was really cool. Uh, good to see you guys. And the reason I bring that up is because Sandy is one of the original listeners to the show. And uh, Sandy, don't forget to stand up and be counted because uh, I might forget. Um, man, just checking things off here in this whole you know stack of stuff. There's just all kinds of stuff right here. Just a whole stack. Uh, all right, let me talk about Ashland Bob for a minute because... Uh, Ashton Bob listens to the show. He's been listening a long time. Ashton Bob is part of Wolfpack, our Saturday morning running group. And he told me, well, first of all, he showed up this past Saturday for the first time in a long time. And uh, when I say a long time, maybe a couple weeks. And he just flat out told me that he's tired of the nostalgia. He's like, tired of the old shows time for some new material so here i am (laughs) that's why i'm not doing any throwback shows uh they were kind of fun from my perspective because i got to pick out some old shows but bob said he's done with those and so here we are with all all original material and that's why some of it's non non non-running related but i am getting to the running stuff and bob thanks for the advice i'm taking it um i hear you loud and clear and um so we'll move on to the fact that now that my daughter is 21, we had our first uh, legal beer together uh, on the 28th, which was her birthday. And 
uh, we went over to this place that we've been for the last couple of years for her birthday, uh, pizza place that she likes. The service was not that good this time. I, I don't, maybe it's just a casualty of the times, but we did get to sit and, and have a beer and, um, she just, she's not never really been a big drinker. Uh, you know, once she was old enough to know what alcohol was, you know, she certainly sits and watches me and her mom drink a lot, but she never really picked up on it. I could tell when she went off to college, it wasn't really something that she was doing that much, but we did, um, she didn't even finish the whole thing. She had maybe a quarter of it. And of course I finished it when we got to the table, but, um, she, uh, does like, uh, she did have a couple fun drinks and, uh, but anyway, having her 21 now is, is kind of cool because we can, um, you know, just do some different things and have a little bit uh, more fun in a different way. Not that you need alcohol to have fun, but it surely does help. <laughs> all right. So happy birthday, Lucy Ellis. I love you so much. Uh, all right, let's get into the running thing. So, uh, cause I only got, I don't want the podcast to go too long one, but about 36 minutes here. Um, so I'm signed up for the Richmond Half Marathon. That's November 12th. My goal is to finish. Second goal is to run two and a half hours. Third goal is to maybe run 220. Um, and now that I'm uh, I'm up to three runs a week, um, I'm feeling pretty good about things. I'm still because of the humidity, it's really difficult to to run outside. I've I've been doing my midweek runs, which is just two. I do those lately. I've been doing them on the treadmill at work or at the YMCA. We have a, a real nice fitness center at work. Then that way I'll just run after work and then head on home. Um, I don't, I think I'm just going to stay to, and then on the weekends I run with my group uh, and we run out in the heat, whether it's humid or whatever. And unless it's pouring down the rain, we won't run. Um, and we, we have to mix some walking in there because it's just so humid. It, um, this past Yesterday it was like a heat index. I don't even know how you figure out a heat index. I think the regular temperature was 98 or 99, and the heat index was like 107. I mean, what's the difference between 99 and 107 other than 8 degrees? I don't know. They called it the real feel. I don't know what that means. If it's the real feel, that's not the true temperature. It's what it really feels like. But um, I think I'm just going to stick to three runs a week because it works out. It's been working out really good because the other two days – um, I'm doing weights and, uh, I'm start, I'm seeing some results from that, that I've been doing the weightlifting for several years now on a regular schedule with a commitment, with a commitment to improve and, and, uh, and get, and look different, not just, uh, get in there and move weights around just to make it feel like, but I want to, you know, I want to build, uh, do, uh, build up my upper body a little bit and it is working and I'm seeing some results. So I'm doing that. So every day of the work week, um, or f- Let's see. Excuse me. Four, like two, it's two runs, and then two work gym workouts. So I'll do, and uh, they won't be on the same day. So four of the five days that I'm in the office, excuse me, all four days that I'm in the office, I'm doing some some kind of exercise. It's generally Thursdays when I work remote that um it's kind of a day off. I'm not doing anything, or it might be a Monday. Uh, for example, tomorrow I will. Let's see what's tomorrow. I will do weights tomorrow and then run probably Tuesday Thursday. I'm sorry, I'll run, no, I'll probably run tomorrow, Monday, Wednesday, and I'll do weights Tuesday, Friday. That uh, was probably what I'll do, because Thursday, I'll be here. Um, and I think I should be able to meet, uh, you know, meet, uh, meet one of those goals that I just set out for the half marathon by doing three runs. I remember um, I broke uh, four and a half hours in the marathon doing three runs a week, and uh, that was pretty good for me at my ability level. This was uh, way back a little bit. That was the Baltimore Annapolis Trail Marathon. Um, all right. Um, 
I would love to be able to get to the email bag section of the show. However, there are no emails from anybody since the last podcast. So, um, But let's try to change that. You can send me an email at ashlanddave at gmail.com. Uh, you can stand up and be counted, or you can just write me about something else if you want to uh, hear comments included in the show. Uh, positive comments are, are preferred. Uh, negative comments are generally overlooked. And uh, I do appreciate uh, you taking the time. If you uh, do send in an email, just tell me where you hail from, what kind of running you do, and um, and then uh, start a dialogue. That's what I. That's what uh, it's a lot of fun for me to do that. And uh, I'll talk about again um, the stand up and be counted campaign I, at episode three hundred. My plan is to have a listener roll call. Right now, I've gotten uh, just about five people. Uh, you know who you are. I've got your emails in a special folder. I won't forget. Uh, but I just like to kind of know, uh, kind of, it just helps me gauge kind of where people are from. I mean, I can go on Podbean and get a geographic uh, IP address uh, report of where everybody's from. I don't do that. I don't do any analysis of downloads or anything like that. I will say that the last um, the last podcast, which was episode 290, that got 149 downloads, which is a little embarrassing because uh, not too long ago, I was up to, let's see, uh, like 270 back uh, May of last year. I got 270. Um, I don't graph them. I don't do any kind of analysis on the amount of downloads. I really just do it to hold myself accountable for my own running, have some fun in the process, meet some new people. And uh, and it's what has it turned out to has been a lot of fun to kind of uh, dialogue with people that listen to the show on a regular basis. And it's been kind of fun to communicate back and forth. Um, and then I, I produce something for them to listen to and to hopefully uh, laugh and have some smiles along the way. So email bag has nothing in it this week, uh, but you can, uh, you can, today you can change that at ashlanddave at gmail.com. All right, so that's the show for this week. I appreciate you listening. Remember, uh, you're never too important to be nice to other people and make today better than tomorrow. Or excuse me, make today better than yesterday. Or if you're a procrastinator, you can always make tomorrow better than today. This is Ashton Dave reminding you to run to the finish. Keep up running. Don't forget to hug your kids. And y'all have a good week. Thank you.